So we're going to do some learning now, and Wendy's going to come and read to us, so, and then Nigel will come and preach. Good morning. Today's reading is taken from 1 Peter, chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. To the elders and young men. To the elders among you, I appeal as an elder myself, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, be submissive to those who are older. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that, you, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert, because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers and sisters throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little, a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everyone. You've been sat down for a while, and you're going to be sat down for a while more. So let's pray. But while I pray, why don't you just stand for a moment? Let's stand together. Father God, we confess we're not very good listeners. So as we come to your word this morning, we pray that you would open our hearts to what you have to say to us. May you, by the Holy Spirit, may we hear the very voice of God, encouraging us, directing us, making us whole. For your glory we pray. Amen. Please do sit down. If you were here two weeks ago, you may have noticed that Anita smiled as she began to speak. Smiled because she'd been chosen to speak about wives submitting to their husbands. Today I'm perplexed. I've been chosen to speak on humility. A paragon of virtue? I don't think so. Someone who needs to learn something? Much more likely. Now to start with, a question from the Old Testament, and it's not a trick question, but does anybody know 
<clears throat> who wrote the book of Numbers. Nobody know who wrote the book of Numbers? Moses. Well done. Yes, it's most commonly ascribed to Moses. So let's read what Moses says about himself. Numbers 12, verse 3. Moses was a very humble man. More humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. What? That's some boast. I am the most humble man on the face of the earth. Well, in my book, that boast would disqualify him straight away. So we might find this subject of humility a bit tricky. Let's put some context on this passage then in 1 Peter chapter 5. Over the past seven weeks, we've traveled together through Peter's wonderful letter. In contrast to the erudite Paul, we have a humble fisherman. One was a preeminent Pharisee, the other was impulsive, flawed, a man who just says it as it is. And as we've navigated this letter together, we've seen in chapter one the good news of the resurrection of Jesus, which calls us and inspires us to be holy. In chapter two, as a holy nation, we are to declare the praises of God by the quality of our lives. In chapter three, we are to respond to persecution with graciousness and to submit to one another. And in this final section, we are called to be humble servants. So this journey, it should have excited us with the glory of our salvation and the grace yet to be revealed. It should have inspired us to be a holy people, encouraged us to submit to one another with the humility of a servant's heart. As Peter wrote this letter, I'm sure he will have remembered the time when Jesus washed his dirty feet. Jesus took on the job of the lowest, lowest servant. John 13, Jesus says to Peter, do you understand what I have done for you? Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Humility, the heart of a servant. A minister was called to a new church, and he told the leaders there was only one job in which he insisted on doing, being on the rotor for cleaning the toilets. Humility, the heart of a servant. So let's see in verse 1 how Peter understands this. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings. Do you see it? Do you see where his humility is in that? I appeal as a fellow elder. A fellow elder. This is Peter, the rock on which Christ will build his church. But he doesn't say, I'm your archbishop. He just says, I'm one of you. A servant who would wash your feet. So to whom is he talking? To the elders among you. The word elder can be interpreted as pastor or overseer or shepherd. He's talking to those who lead. Verse 2. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, 
but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Now let's break this down. Leading not because you must, but because you are willing. So here's the question. Do we do what we do out of obligation or with delight? Is it a burden or is it a privilege? I like that word eager, eager to serve. It speaks of a willingness. It doesn't count the cost. It's enthusiasm for the cause of the kingdom, eager to serve, eager to go that extra mile. That's the humility of a servant's heart. If we're not eager, Peter says there are two pitfalls. The first is dishonest gain, and the second he calls lording it over others. You may have experienced something of that. You may have experienced those in authority who are in it for themselves, only interested in self-promotion, exerting their authority, manipulating others. We are not manipulators, but leaders eager to serve. So how do we eagerly serve? Well, verse 3, by being an example to the flock, leading by example. One of the major Christian leaders in South Sudan went on a course on servant leadership run by a mission with which I was involved. His was a very male-orientated society, and he was seen as the big boss in his church. People were frightened. He ruled with a rod of iron. But when he returned home from this servant leadership course, the first thing he did was he went into the kitchen to help his wife wash up. Now, to us, that might seem nothing, like nothing. But in his culture, it was an earthquake. It was like Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Slowly but surely, the men of the church started to help with the domestic chores at home. Unheard of. It was, an exa- it was the example of the man at the top that made that change. Humility the heart of a servant. So we must be willing, we must be eager, and we must be an example. Giving personal examples sounds to me like a bit of a risk. It sounds to me as if I'm Moses, but I'll risk it. Because there's one comment from a colleague that I hold dear. At work, my responsibilities were extended to include the Benelux countries. And as I looked at the books, the businesses were not viable. Drastic change was needed. I told my sales directors that their cost bases needed to reflect the size of the business. And sadly, many people would lose their jobs. As they drew up lists, I told them that I would personally conduct those employee meetings, the one-to-one meetings. And after many, many meetings with Frank, who was my Belgium sales director, we finished. He slumped in his chair in exhaustion. I'm glad that's over, he said. It's not quite over, I said. 
because I'm sorry to say, Frank, that you too have to leave. On his last day, he sent me an email. I just wanted to let you know, Nigel, that even though you've just fired me, you're the best boss I've ever worked for. I didn't see it at the time, but in later discussion, he said, you are the only person that I've ever seen lead by example. I think he was rather overstating it. But that's what Peter calls us to do, to lead by example. People won't listen to our words until they see our actions, something our politicians would do well to learn. Humility, the heart of a servant, leading by example. Jesus says in Mark 10, verse 42, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to serve, come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, you may be thinking, willing to serve, eager to serve, serving as an example, it doesn't apply to me. I don't have leadership responsibilities. But you'd be wrong. Verse 5. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your leaders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favour to the humble. Peter moves from leaders to addressing us all. First to those who are young. The young want to be free. The young don't want to be subject to anyone. But in so doing, they lack humility. Peter says, listen, submit to your leaders. But second, he says, to you all. No one escapes this call. All of you, clothe yourself with humility towards one another. It's a call to everyone, not just leaders, not just the young, but to you. Clothe yourself, dress yourself, cover yourself in humility. Not an outward covering, but clothe yourself deep down inside. Of all virtues, humility is the hardest to obtain because it stands against the oldest sin. What's that? Pride. Pride was Satan's sin. He wanted to be equal with God, Isaiah 14. Pride was Adam and Eve's sin, wanting to be like God. Humility protects us from pride, the sin of thinking we're more important than we are. On a visit to the Beethoven Museum in Bonn, a student was fascinated by the piano on which Beethoven composed many of his great works. She asked the museum guard if she could play a few bars on it. And to her surprise, he agreed. So she tinkled out the opening bars of Moonlight Sonata. On leaving, she casually said to him, I suppose all the great pianists come here and want to play this piano. The guard shook his head. Paderewski, the famous Polish pianist, he said, was here recently. And he said that he wasn't worthy to touch it. What a contrast between pride and humility. 
True humility sees others as greater than us. True humility has a sense of unworthiness. True humility puts us in our rightful place. Remember the words of St. Paul. 1 Corinthians 15. I am the least of the apostles. Ephesians 3. I'm the very least of all the saints. 1 Timothy 1. I'm the chief of sinners. Humility puts us in our place. Churchill was once asked, doesn't it thrill you that every time you make a speech, the hall is packed to overflowing? It's flattering, he said. But the crowd would be twice as big if, instead of making a speech, I was about to be hanged. All of you, clothe yourselves in humility towards one another. Not just because that way others will follow. Not just because it will protect us from sin. Not just because it gives us a right perspective on who we are. But because we follow Jesus' example. Jesus who humbled himself even to death on a cross. But following Jesus' example doesn't leave us abject. Verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Here is that great Bible truth. God lifts the humble. God lifts the humble. Just as Jesus was raised, so you too will be raised. Exalt ourselves and God will oppose us. Humble ourselves and he will lift us up. This is Peter walking the talk. From denial and the dejection of failing his Lord, Jesus had prayed for him. Luke 22. I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith might not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Peter turns back. Failure forgiven. Pride humbled. He heeded Jesus' words. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. So in this series, we've benefited from Peter's humbling and strengthening. So as we are humble before God, so he lifts us up to strengthen one another. So finally, how do I humble myself before God? Well, in the Bible, usually humbling isn't something you do, but something you experience. It isn't something you undertake, it's something you receive. Jesus was humiliated by being arrested by being tried, flogged, and crucified. He was subject to humiliation. How did he respond? He didn't take up arms to fight back. He didn't argue. He remained silent. He didn't respond when he was taunted. He didn't summon legions of angels to come and rescue him. He allowed himself to be subject to the injustice of the cross. He humbled himself by accepting abuse, physical, mental, spiritual. Therefore, God raised him up and glorified him. And in the church, we can be humbled by arguments 
and opposition within and without. And in the world, we can be ridiculed and ostracized for standing for Christ. And we can respond by running away. We can respond by arguing. Or we can respond in humble grace. How do we respond when we're confronted, accosted, unsettled? Do we respond in humility with a servant's heart? Do we accept what God has for us? Forgiveness is one of the key traits of humility. Humility forgives wrong. Humility doesn't keep a record of wrong. Humility is the voice of Jesus on the cross saying, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. So that's it. Be willing to serve. Be eager to serve. Serve an example. Clothe yourself with humility, acting with grace and forgiveness. And God will raise you up. Well, that's one Peter for you. As we've traveled these chapters, they should have excited us with the glory of the salvation that we have received and the grace yet to be revealed. They should have inspired us to be holy people. They should have encouraged us to submit to one another and to have the humility of a servant's heart. So one final challenge. Now that you've received all this, go home, sit down quietly, and today read 1 Peter right through, start to finish. It won't take you long, but get your fill of it while it's fresh in your mind. Let God speak his truth into your heart. I'm going to ask the music group to come up now as we just come to God in prayer. Let's come and pray together. Father God, we offer up our lives as Jesus offered up his life. His was the sacrifice of a broken body. Ours is the sacrifice of a broken heart. May we walk humbly before you. May we walk humbly before each other in love, in forgiveness, in a willing eagerness to serve and to be an example of your saving love. For your glory we pray. Amen.